Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Um, when people got together, joints were passed around. Marijuana is a drug with potential health impact. I have never seen a cannabis overdose. It's Reefer Madness, the podcast. With Trevor and Kirk. We're back. We're back. So what did you think of 8,000 Kicks? He was fascinating. You know, honestly, I am not what you a fashion forward guy. So, you know, stories about shoes don't usually interest me that much. But no, but, you know, how can you go wrong starting with, you know, I started a business with my grandmother. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. you know, so we got it. grandmothers, we got Portugal, we got most of Europe. Um, yeah. Now, something, and I don't know if you know, but it just sort of jumped out at me. Do you know where the name comes from? 8,000 8, kicks? You know, that's... I assumed it was just, you know, but it, but he makes knapsacks and he makes belts and socks and like... Anyways, we should introduce this. We, we in, in six years of doing this podcast and me harping about hemp as a textile and me being a a hemp kind of guy i've got i've got a wardrobe of hemp and i've been doing this for lots of decades finally found a guy that's building material uh, like knapsacks um shoes and funky shoes and and i got a pair of chelsea boots i met him on kickstarter and i i've, I've been chatting back and forth with him in emails but i wanted to get the boots on my feet before I had the interview. And um, as soon as I got these boots on my feet, it was like, oh my Lord, these are brilliant. Um, I'm just so pleased. So yeah, Trevor, we found a guy who is uh, building clothing out of hemp. And, and let, let's let's meet the the founder and the, uh, the I'm, I'm kidding, the, the junior partner, the guy and his grandma who, uh, who are making shoes yeah yeah let's just go right into the interview and we'll come out and talk about his business model i'm i i'm very excited for him so my name is bernardo i'm the ceo of a thousand cakes and we make the world's first waterproof hemp shoes and boots and backpacks <laughs> and backpacks yeah and you're and you're stationed in germany now uh, we're stationed in portugal and we also have uh, an office in california Okay. And um, how long have you been a business? Uh, it's been a while. We started uh, 2019 with our first Kickstarter project. Yeah, that was uh, a while ago, four years ago. I found you um, about a year and a half ago and I was following you and I was waiting to find something and I, uh, I got your Chelsea boots. I am so pleased with them. It's really good to hear. <laughs> because uh, I have a lot of gray hair on those. Uh, it's it's just uh, we spent like two years and a half developing them before launching. It's really, really hard to bend the fabric and make it uh, and make it for a uh, like to make it fit the Chelsea boot because it's even leather is complicated. Fabric is even harder. 
Yeah, yeah, no, I'm, I'm very impressed with them. Um, I'll talk about those with my partner, um, Trevor, but I guess I want to get more into your business. Um, so I know you got some stuff to show me, but let's, let's educate, let's educate our listeners on hemp. What exactly, why have you chosen hemp? <laughs> to be honest, I didn't know hemp was hemp. I didn't know what was, what was it all about? It was, uh, it was 2018. It was, uh, I was, I just moved out of, out of, um, London. I was working in London for a few years. I moved to Portugal to start my own company. I totally didn't know what I was doing. I totally didn't know what I was chasing, <laughs> but I knew that I wanted to create change and I wanted to drive uh, progress, do something different, something that helps humanity. Uh, but yeah, I was completely lost. And one night, while well, I was having a few drinks with the boys, and it was the stupidest idea ever. Someone came up with the idea of making a, hey, Bernardo, you want to launch a business? Why don't you do a hemp shoe? Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> a cannabis shoe. Back then, we didn't know the difference between hemp and cannabis. Um, and it, it was just that, an idea. I didn't know hemp was super durable or sustainable or antibacterial or whatever. I just knew cannabis. Um, I was doing other stuff back then. I was testing many ideas, and one of them was that one. So I came to uh, my grandmother, which, uh, which has over 50 years experience in textiles. And I came to her and I said, hey, Otilia, that's her name. <laughs> I call her her first name. Uh, what do you think about us launching a cannabis shoe a business? And well, she was not very happy <laughs> at first. <laughs> well, you have, to, you have to understand, she was 76, 77 at the time. And well, it, when you... When you come up with an idea of making a cannabis shoe, she was not very happy. And obviously she, there was a little bit of a stressful uh, days, a couple of stressful days around the, the house until I decided to order some, some fabric from a French supplier. I ordered, um, I had it, I showed it to my grandma and she was pretty impressed. Like I've seen a lot of things. This is interesting. And, uh, that was uh, that was a first yes. <laughs> wow. So what did she do in textiles that she didn't understand hemp at the time? Uh, well, she, she did. Uh, she, she was always working with uh, cotton or linen or two polyester, and she was. I mean, linen, but you know, back in the day, that the the, diff the clear definition of hemp was not very. Uh, was not very publicly known. It was all linen, right? So she probably, uh, when, she, when she was working with him, uh, she probably thought it was linen. So okay. when she saw linen, when she saw a new type of linen, this time called him because it comes from him, she was right. uh, very impressed, but she totally didn't know that it was possible to make him out of him. <laughs> That's very cool. So so you you figured Portugal. and Why Portugal? Uh, I started here because I'm from here. Uh, okay. and, and, you know, when someone starts a shoe business, uh, one of the places to be is Portugal. Uh, China is also very important uh, because a lot of the hemp in the world comes from there. It's the number one country in terms of hemp processing. And this is why I spend a lot of time there. But Portugal is also a pretty important place in terms of shoe manufacturing. That's why you get your boots made in Portugal. 
Yeah, yeah, they're well, they're well-made boots, man. I was looking at them. Um, I, I want to spend some time on the on the textiles. Um, so, okay, you decide to make shoes and backpacks out of hemp, and you move textile. Talk to your grandmother. What was the next step? Um, the next step was well, we got we got some samples for fabric. We ordered a few more. And a few more and a few more we start comparing them ah this one is good this one is not so good this one seems strong this one seems weak all right let's move on with this one then i was one week just calling cold calling factories and say hey can we visit you we have this project we want to make a cannabis shoe and all factories were like oh sorry we don't want to do this you're too small blah 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 <laughs> And we were like, yeah, yeah, but just hear us out. We have the we have this idea. We 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 just need a sample. We can sell and put quantities as long as we have a sample. And cool. that was that was that was it. We cool. start going there, just visiting factories, factories, factories. Yeah. So did you did you start with sneakers first, or did you start with backpacks? No sneakers. Okay. We the thing is the original idea was with sneakers. We knew that we wanted to do sneakers. But the reason why we wanted to do sneakers is because we saw backpacks and wallets made from him. Okay, so it's a different market. Yeah, we thought, I mean, it's the same market. It's just a different product, right? Product, right, yeah. Um, so we, we we were like, if people can do wallets and backpacks, why can't we do shoes? Because I haven't seen any shoes made from this, so. No, no. I um I'm a little older than you. I'm probably the age of your grandmother. <laughs> but, well, no, I'm not. Okay, well, I'm not that old, <laughs> but maybe closer to your parents. But I am—I've um, been buying hemp clothing probably close to 40 years. Oh, really? And yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I grew up in the west coast of Canada in Victoria, okay. and we had, you know, in the 70s, we had head shops and we had, you know, pipe shops and stuff and the marijuana paraphernalia. But there'd always be um, there was a store on one of the main streets called Yates Street that was a hemp store. And I can remember going in there. God, it must have been the early 80s. Um, I'm not sure if I'd moved away yet. I'd moved away uh, in the early 80s. But I bought a shirt. Um, I still have it. Uh, it's a beautiful shirt. What I like about it is that I wash it. I put it in the uh, cupboard and it and it becomes almost like you could stand it up <laughs> you know it's so it's so tough and then when i wear it it softens right but i've had that shirt i've had that shirt for longer than i've had children and my kids are in their 30s now so uh, but i've been buying hemp i can i can literally now with your product don myself fully in hemp except my underwear i can have hat shirt pants shoes socks belt um fully we have some friends making uh, underwear in California. I'll be looking for those, and then I'll be the hemp guy. <laughs> so yeah, they're, they're good. I have some. Uh, I have some uh, stuff from him. It's called Awama Underwear. It's a great project, and and they they have great quality. We I personally use them. Oh, I like your socks. The socks are nice and soft. Let's um. I, a lot of this stuff I can say when I when I don't have you you on the schedule here, but let's let's talk a little bit more about getting the hemp ready. Um, we have hemp farms in our in our world. I'm right in about I'm pretty much in the center of the continent in in North America, so we have hemp fields all around us. And one of the things we know about producing hemp seed and hemp oil is you got to get the crop off the field quickly. With textiles, that's a little different. Yeah, that's correct. So in many cases, what people do, what farmers do, is that they they start by um, by cutting the head 
where all the uh, the seeds and the oil i mean the seeds right where uh, you can use the seeds uh, for seeds or just to transform into oil that's the first step but then um in a lot of cases for hemp you have to cut uh and leave it on the ground for a couple of weeks so that it it kind of uh dries up and so that it can be processed so they leave it i'm, I'm missing the word um rut reading yeah like reading on the floor um and then up after a couple of weeks I'm not sure how many. It also depends on the variety of the the plant. Then they collect it and they put it on a decorticator. A decorticator is basically a machine. This is this is the thing. Also, let me add. This is the most challenging part. It's it's one of the big problems with hemp is that it needs a lot of power to to separate the 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 bark from actually the fibers. So they the vast from the fiber so they have a machine that does like this really fast and separates all this outside air part from the middle the middle is then processed and used in like hempcrete and all sorts of uh, materials and flooring and stuff like that but what we use is the fiber and that fiber it has to be as tiny 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 as possible because if you have some small pieces of wood or some thicker fabric it's going to break the fabric and this is a process that me and my grandmother have been like developing, mostly her, not me, but <laughs> I just do whatever she says. But uh, by the fact that the fiber is thinner, it's it makes it stronger. It, it makes a big difference. It, the, the thinner it is, the stronger it is, then we can have stronger yarn. And when we weave it, it also makes a stronger fabric. And this is, uh, this is a big difference. Uh, but... The, the hemp, the variety of the plant matters, but one of the biggest things that matter is the quality of the decorticator that makes the fiber. Okay, so so your company, um, I want to talk a little bit about the farming of it. So your company went out, you found hemp farmers. So do the hemp farmers then cut the heads off and use the seeds and oils for another another business and then process the fibers for your company? So is all the hemp plant being used? To be honest, I don't know because I have long separated from. I don't longer go that down in the in the supply chain. It's it's really it's it's a lot of work. I I, I cannot do that. Also, I don't have the technical knowledge to do it, uh, and also my grandmother doesn't. Uh, we normally source and we go to. We used to, but we couldn't. We were not good at it. What we became good at is from the from the fiber up. Right, so okay. the moment you the fiber is processed and it's ready to put into yarn, and sometimes we didn't even go that we we are we don't even go that low. We go more like yarn up. Okay, so you're you're involved with actually making the fabric, the textile. You're ensuring that the 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 fibers are appropriate for the textile that you want at the end. Exactly. Okay, so who who weaves it for you? Where do you get? So do you buy it already woven, or do you like? How does that all work? Uh, so basically, what we do is we buy the yarn, or we sometimes buy the yarn. We go to the weaver, and we tell her we tell them exactly what we want. So we want this thickness. This uh, sometimes you have to mix it. The socks you have are mixed with cotton, uh, so organic cotton. So sometimes you have to mix it. So we, we always say we want this much, uh, this thickness, this uh, elasticity, this, that, this, that. And, uh, and then we say, uh, 
uh, it has to be dyed <clears throat> with to hit the specifications. It must be Wecotex, it's, uh, which is a, a sustainability certification. It must be um, it must be this durable and stuff. So we have this uh, all specifications, the composition. <clears throat> then we have to talk with them about the thickness of the yarns, and then they put it all together. They help us. We don't. Okay. I mean, we give them the freedom to pick whatever they want in terms of suppliers. We suggest them some, but they all, ultimately it's up to them to pick who they want to work with. So these industries were already developed before you started your business. You found these industries and then went to them and said, this is our specifications. Or did these industries pop up because of your business? Uh, it's a mix of both. But okay. uh, we are still very small to be able to say that we popped them up. But we, we somehow did because a lot of this... Uh, New developments have been done because of us. Uh, the thing you have to understand is also him. This was really hard to find. We um, we could not supply hemp in the U.S. We could not supply hemp in Canada. We could not supply hemp in Europe. In Europe, well, we could in Ukraine, but it was it's very hard, and it's uh, the machinery sometimes is is not good enough for what we need. Uh, we, for instance, we make some, our insoles, for instance, are made in Spain, the hemp we use for the insoles, the hemp we use for the belts are made in Czech Republic, uh, but we would not be able to make the hemp, to make the belts in, in to, to make the hemp that we use in the belts in Spain or vice versa, or we would not be able to make the hemp belts with the hemp we have in Ukraine. So it's really hard to actually, I mean, you're good at this. Okay, perfect. But it's that's the problem with hemp. I mean, with cotton, I I don't have any problem. I go to the shop here or there, and I say I want two meters of uh, fabric, uh, white fabric, to use uh, to make a pair of boots. Easy. Okay. Is that is that because of laws? Is that is that sourcing because of laws or just because of the quality of the hemp? Um, for both. And uh, the thing is, hemp, you have to understand, hemp was forbidden for so many years. Only now the industry is starting to appear, reappear. And even if it's, yeah, and and even though it's starting to reappear, it's not like it, it's done, right? Uh, there is this factory in Portugal. They had to invest 15 million. They just got funded last year. And only now they are, they're planting. And then they're going to buy a decorticator. And then they're going to buy this and that. And only like in a few years they will be able to start having output of him but this is because we already talked with them we told them we we will buy from you if we hit the standards and they say we will hit that standard we will hit those standards i said perfect let's do it but okay. uh, you you see how it goes right uh it, it's like a chicken egg problem i am already creating demand but uh, i'm not uh, capable of of sourcing an entire of of supplying not not supplying but i'm not able of feeding an entire factory out of hemp the whole year <clears throat> because we're still a startup we have good quantities but we are not like a patagonia or something like that sure well you you just want to basically get their attention i'm sure <clears throat> Patagonia is a good business model. I, the reason why I'm asking is because we have, like I said, we have a hemp industry in in my region, in our region here, but it's pretty much oil 
and um, and seeds. And there is one fellow that's dealing with the actual fibers, but he's making you know kitty litter. He's making uh, absorbents for oils and stuff. Um, but I'm just wondering how difficult it would be to get a textiles industry going locally. I imagine it requires a big chunk of change up front. Yeah, I mean. Um... A good decorticator normally it's uh, the biggest investment. It has to be really good. It can go up to five, ten million. Yeah, yeah. Going back to your shoes now, you advertise them as waterproof and breathable. How is that? How do you make your boots waterproof and breathable? Yeah, so we have two things. The first thing is we start by um, so when we make the the yarn, the uh, when we make uh, the weaving. We weave it really hard so that the water doesn't go through. <clears throat> and then we apply a coating on top. The coating protects the fabric, but also keeps gives this effect of water repellency. And then we have a waterproof membrane that allows water to go out, uh, sorry, water vapor to go out, but not humidity to go in. So basically this is what gives the effect of uh, waterproofing and breathability. Uh, no, it's not like as breathable as a pair of Crocs, right? But uh, you've tried them. You see how they they still allow your feet to breathe, but not the water to get in. So the membrane, but you, I mean, you're reading your webpage. You guys are, uh, your business is very, has a very strong uh, corporate sense, social responsibility. So I imagine it's all, it's all vegan and, and good for the earth and that. So what is the membrane? Is it synthetic or is it more cloth? Is it? Yeah, we don't use animal products. That's the first thing. Uh, so we're totally against it. Basically what we use for the membrane is a synthetic uh, component. And it's made of the same material as vegan leather. Okay. The type of PU. And basically the same type of uh, vegan leather, once again. Uh, so all our shoes are either natural or like natural, like, I mean, plant-based. And then a small parts of it, are we, we have to use synthetic to because we couldn't find natural products doing that. Okay. The soles of the shoes. Um, so I get the boots uh, about a week before Christmas and I, I got them and I was about to go run an errand. So I put them on and I put on some um, uh, ice, you know, ice crackers. You put them on the bottom of your shoes and you can walk on ice around here. So I put those on for my first walk. I came home and I had to go and I took them off and I walked on ice again. Your soles, the soles seem to grip. Uh, very well. Like I walk, I walk the sidewalks of my town, which can be snowy, icy, clear, and I feel secure in them. So, what's on the sole of those shoes? It's it's rubber. But um, what we did it it is because the winter shoe we gave it a little bit more abrasion, so that when it hits the floor, it doesn't slip. It's yeah. basically we softened the rubber so that it doesn't uh, it doesn't slip when you when you touch the floor. Okay. Does it make well, sense? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, wearing them, I mean, I'll explain this to the listeners, but essentially the, I put them on and they fit like a glove. Like, I seriously believe my my foot goes into those boots and they fit well. I got toe movement and I'm walking and they're warm, they're secure. I put on a great big, um, we have an industry here, people sell alpaca socks, so they're thick socks. So I put on a pair of thick socks. They were a little tight. Um, yeah, but uh, those socks are super big. Yeah, yeah, they're a little, they're a little tight. But but again, um, 
I, I can't say enough about the shoes. I'll be raving about them as we as we introduce your episode. But uh, um, more about your business. Yeah, no, I, I'm, that's why I wanted to talk to you. I've been, I've been looking for a textile story for five years, and I haven't been able to find a business. Well, I don't know if you're familiar with our website, but we've got 117 episodes uh, all about cannabis and hemp and everything. So I've been raving about textiles forever. Tell me a little bit more about... Um, about your your partnerships your business your business allows ambassadors i'm wondering if our podcast can become an ambassador for your business no absolutely we basically we have um, we actually give a discount to all our ambassadors so that uh, they and uh, their partners their listeners can also have a discount uh, i can create a specific one for you so that everyone can enjoy a discount i mean right now we don't have wood sorry everyone <laughs> yeah. sold out it's, it's been a bit complicated because uh, we had to, to close them on the website. We had a lot of demand and uh, we have another production coming out in uh, three weeks. But it's <laughs> Yeah, no worries. I mean, your web page is full of products and, and, it's, and it's lovely. It's lovely stuff. So I, I would be honored to, to have you on our web page and try to promote your business. Um, I'm all about hemp and I really think um, I really think hemp is it's the past and it's the future you know there's no question so we're on the same same page you know man um a lot of the stuff i have here that i had questions for you i can i can sort of talk about oh here's one tell me about 500 plants that was spread around berlin what did you do there <laughs> that's a good question man sometimes you have to break some plates right um no one drives change by sitting at home and waiting for it to happen, right? So me and the team, me, Joao, uh, Sara, Patricia, we were like, we got to do something. We And basically what we decided was uh, we're going to be in Berlin. Let's do something crazy. And uh, the idea started with us, well, spreading some green love around Berlin. But uh, we contacted a lot of farmers around. We finally got one around Berlin. He was living like two hours away. We rented some trucks and uh, not trucks, but like some vans. And uh, we drove all the way there. We invaded like 500 plants, put them in the truck. We hang some tags on the plants, explain this is not for smoking. This is industrial hemp. It's used to make shoes and clothes and stuff uh, and textiles. So then we decorated all these plants. It was a lot of work. Uh, the night before, we took off uh, with 500 plants. We actually had to, to drive a few few times back and forth. Uh, but we drove we drove to Berlin, and then we just stopped digging, drawing them away as fast as we could. <laughs> it was a little bit of an adrenaline rush. The police stopped us, but then it was just because we were not in a good parking. <laughs> it was a lot of, a lot of uh, stressful moments. But you, but you got arrested. Yeah, <laughs> and arrested for parking violations or park or littering. What did they arrest you on? What was the charge? Yeah, uh, basically they they didn't they didn't arrest me on any charge, but they did arrest me because uh, they wanted to see what I was doing. Right? Uh, imagine if someone is dropping five hundred plants, it, it like and you put it online. It's it. Some people it it, it throws some red flags, right? So the police had to intervene. They, the police said that they got notified by some neighbors. 
And then they, they showed up at my door. <laughs> just like, they grabbed me, they brought me to the police station. They took some plants, they tested them, and then I went to the judge. And, you know, uh, they could they could charge me on so many things. They could charge me on littering. They yeah. could charge me on uh, public indecency. I don't know. Uh, they could charge me on anything. Uh, or like illegal marketing, non-authorized campaigns. I don't know. Uh, but they were pretty cool. I, was, I stayed there the whole day. Uh, I had to, well stay there the police eventually the you know germans are very stuck up but they eventually they chilled a little bit they tell me what was going on and i was just a little bit nervous and then i relaxed a little bit <laughs> then i went to the judge and he said uh, i mean i didn't understand what he said but some people translated for me and they said okay the judge says it's it's not too bad uh it's not as as hard as they thought it would be but it was important to check uh, you cannot, I cannot do this again and uh, I have to collect all the plants and put them <laughs> away and I said sure but by the time I went to the street most people already collected the plants and uh, and took them home and took them home and I was like I, ran, I was walking around the streets everyone collected them and brought them home so I, was, I just took a, a bunch of them and just left that's funny, man. You got a lot of mileage, a lot of advertising out of that, I bet. Yeah. As they say, all advertising is good advertising, but it was it was a bit scary, but uh, it's all done and it's all, I'm good, no problems. <laughs> and uh... That's great. Hey, hey, how many people do you employ? Uh, we are a small company. Uh, we are four people and a half. We have uh, some person uh, part-time, but we also have a, uh, we outsource a lot. We have a designer working for us. We have a uh, we have a warehouse that we outsource in the U.S. They have all our products. That's why we normally ship fast to the U.S. Uh, except for Kickstarter campaigns, those are a little bit more complicated. But basically, uh, four people and a half full time, and the rest outsourced. Another like ten people outsourced. And besides getting them online or Kickstarter, where do people buy your products from? Uh, well, they, they can come to any stores available. We have a list of stores on our website's footer, 8000kicks.com. They can go to the footer and uh, they have a list of stores. We have uh, around 20, 30 stores around uh, Europe and I believe like uh, eight or nine around the US. But this year we're going to open more stores in the US. Don't worry. Very cool. Very cool, man. Okay. What question didn't I ask about your business? What do you want our listeners to know about your business? No, I... And the most important for me, for people to understand, is we are in the market of amplifying society because we really believe in this fiber. The same as you, we think this has a lot of potential. And what we are doing is working really hard to develop hemp to the way it should be today. And uh, we do that by reinvesting all the, I mean, all the money that we got into Kickstarter was into not only making the boots, but pushing him to the next level. They're doing more tests, spending thousands of euros in the lab, uh, perfecting the fibers, perfecting the yarn, going back to the to the factories and telling them that they should do this more thinner or harder or this more or that more. So what people are doing by buying our products is not only getting a hemp shoe, but supporting our developments and our efforts to make hemp 
uh, a great fiber as it once was. And this is our goal. So after this running shoes is our next step. It's a big milestone for us. And this is our next step in making, uh, pushing him to the next boundary, which is performance, which is which is a big thing for us. Uh, in the moment, everyone sees that hemp is the number one fiber in the world. Big brands will start changing and using hemp as well. And once they do that, we will have created a sustainable world and a world where uh, sustainable fibers make sense because it's just better. Is is one of your hopes that someone big finds you and buys you out, or you're going to always be a little bit of a little guy? Um. Well, we hope we grow, right? So we <laughs> that that's a dream of us to grow. Uh, now, getting bought, getting bought, uh, yeah, maybe yes, maybe no. What is important for us is to continue driving, pushing forward the vision that we have, right? So it's important that if we get bought, uh, the person that buys us understands what we're trying to do, and not just uh, not just as as and like not just adding us to the their catalog, oh, here's another shoe. The thing is getting bought by someone with big pockets is a way for us to uh, to may potentially uh, achieve our mission faster. Because yeah. in the end, it's not just about how much money you die, it's about the legacy you drop. And uh, we really want to leave the legacy of having a planet where hemp is, is mainstream, ubiquitous, as we like to say. So Kirk, um... You obviously love this episode. You went so far as you were, you were a spokesmodel. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this I can see why this one's right up your alley. You know, we, we're taught. You know, you like the whole. I'm, I'm not saying I'm against it, but you like the whole sort of end to end life cycle of a product stuff. And this is really somebody who, you know, is got, you know, doesn't do so much anymore. But at one point was going right to the farmers to say, you know, can you grow this to the, the, the processors, you know, can you take this, uh, what are we going to call it? Uh, yarded, um, fiber, fiber is probably the right word and turn it into uh, a cloth. We can do something. And then, you know, convince his grandma that, you know, the cloth after the cloth is made, Hey, this is just, you know, kind of like linen to, you know, then how do you waterproof it? And how do you make soles on it? And then, you know, so yes, definitely a whole life cycle and all about hemp. I, I, um, you know, I was thinking about what to talk to you about in regards to this show, because uh, this episode, because obviously, you know, hemp product, you know, the history of hemp. Um, these are things you've heard me say, and I'm sure the audience has heard me say over and over again. So I don't want to repeat. I want to talk about fashion and this guy's business model. I mean, his mission. Yeah, because he, we, we as, as two older guys, fashion, that that's our thing. <laughs> no, hey, I like to be fashionable. No, no. I mean, I mean, I'm talking about right now in this day and age the whole fast fashion thing the whole throwaway food uh throwaway clothing i mean uh, we I, I guess you know i guess i can afford to buy good clothing i love the panagonia model i mean we've got a we've got a business in town that sponsor us prairie supply coal uh they have they sponsored the um the phil guyman uh episode so you know Listeners, if you want to buy online a good clothing store, uh, Prairie Supply Co. in Dauphin, Manitoba, Canada, 
is a good business model. He he um he he, he deals with Patagonia and Patagonia's model is that, you know if you want repairs you ship it back to them they do the repairs for free. If you want to retire the clothing they ask you to give it to them and they will deconstruct the clothing and make new clothing out of it. This guy, um, Bernardo, Bernardo's business model. Our mission is to bring back hemp by showing everyone hemp products are way superior to other products made of other fibers. This is a green answer we have been waiting for. And he lives it. Like if you go to his webpage, he explains, um, he explains how his business matches a green model a carbon footprint they've got making they got making shoes he says here the average emission for a pair of running shoes is 14 kilograms of co2 we've managed to reduce it to 4.1 kilogram so his business model is about reducing carbon footprint his business model is to produce clothing that will last his business model is to have ambassadors and he gives you serious discounts um so much so that when you go on to reformethness the podcast webpage click on a on a link you'll be you'll be able to get a discount from his clothing i like this guy's model so much I took it to Dale at Prairie Supply Co. And I said, have a look at these boots, man. You know, and you look at those are pretty fine boots. 100% waterproof. Really? 100% hemp. And the rubber soles are vegan soles. Like, the, like everything about this product is fucking brilliant. So I'm going to say it. It's fucking brilliant. Everything that this 62-year-old man lives for, this kid is doing... I support him. And really, um, fast fashion. I mean, Michelle and I are now going to thrift stores, right? I, I'm trying not to buy new clothes anymore because it's it's all fast fashion. It's all clothing is going to landfills, you know? So anyways, this guy's model, Trevor, seriously, man, next Christmas, you should be buying hemp shoes for your kids from this guy. You know, <laughs> honestly... Um... I was towards the end of that. I was thinking about his, his, uh, his next model, the what we'll call the the more athletic shoe. Now here, just get okay, two two things first before I get onto small rant. Um, in case someone missed it because we didn't talk about it, Kirk, what does hemp clothing have to do with a cannabis plant? Because we us we usually talk about cannabis stuff. Just oh. a quick. Oh, a quick spiel on that one. I'm, 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 I'm assuming our audience knows this. I mean, but just in case, <laughs> hemp, hemp, hemp is is cannabis. It is it is the fiber, uh, the non the non medicinal, the the non intoxicating form, right? Um, um, sativa uh, is. So if you've ever seen a hemp plant, the part that we talk about smoking oil, whatever, is the little flower at the end of it but it's got a huge long stalk that is all fiber and it's been used since forever for making rope and a whole bunch of other things and then well when canvas canvas you tell this part of the story better basically when cannabis became illegal a lot of the hemp stuff went away too well yeah they assigned hemp to the cannabis as a narcotic thing i mean the word canvas comes from cannabis uh when the, the old sailing ships where the sails were made from hemp plants. I mean, if you're into if you're into Templar Knights, 
and the old Holy Grail. Those guys used to own vast, vast farms, cannabis farms growing hemp. It was the rope of the day. I mean, I mean, I think one of our first episodes, I did a rant about DuPont and and Hearst and how they basically destroyed the the hemp the hemp industry. And and when I lived in Alberta, and I was Captain Kirk of the Laclavish Volunteer Fire Department, and we did a tour of Alpac, a great big pulp mill in the center of Alberta. There, about an hour north of Laclavish and an hour south of Athabasca, there's this huge monstrosity cutting down swaths of poplar trees and to make paper and is like just grow hemp man <laughs> you know back in the 90s uh, anyways it, w it was a great episode you can really hear his his enthusiasm um he, but but it's not just enthusiastic with an idea he's he's gone through some trials and tribulations the the product is really out there it has really been shipped across the atlantic to you um and you know he's using hemp he's doing it in a green way you know uh, th this was a fun episode thanks for bringing it to us yeah all right there was another good one i'm trevor schufelt i'm the pharmacist oh and i'm kirk nyquist i'm the registered nurse and we are reefer medness the podcast found at reefermed.ca and all of those platforms we're on like 35 different podcast platforms so find us and a bunch of the social medias yeah find us listen to us and tell a friend because social media is not pushing us because we're talking about marijuana so All so right. you know tell your friend talk about to, us talk to everybody later have a good day all right, guys, that was indeed another good one. It's Renee here back in the studio uh, with a couple of things to wrap up the episode. Um, before we go on with the request, I'd just like to say that we produce our shows on Treaty 2 territory and the homeland of the Métis. And we pay our respects to the First Nations and Métis ancestors of this land as we reaffirm our relationships. Uh, the request was not actually there. Uh, Bernardo didn't actually request a song, but we made an association with Portugal. So the song that uh, Kirk chose was Portugal the Man and Feel It Still. So that's what we'll do. Okay, take care, everyone. Thanks for listening. Like the show? Let us know. We're Reefer Mendes on Instagram and Facebook, at Reefer Mendes on Twitter, or head over to the website at ReeferMed.ca to find out what we're all about and what's coming up next. I can keep my hands on myself.
I was impressed with the description, especially, again, not that intended because it's in Portugal. I'm not saying they never get winter, but especially your uh, your report back on how good they are on ice. Oh, buddy, I, I, I got them and I went for a walk and I put grips on them and I came home and had to go do something else. And I, I didn't bother with the grips. These boots fit me like a glove. It's a solid canvas covering. Uh, the, the It's a soft rubber. Um, Oh, these boots, these boots are my go-to winter boots in the sense of casual wear, right? When I'm, when I'm going out this winter, casual stuff, I'm wearing these boots and, and I, I, they're warm, they're nice, they're dry, they breathe. Um, I really, truly am an ambassador uh, of this guy's, uh, uh, of this business. And I'm hoping, I'm hoping Dale sees the value of it because Dale, I mean, I went to see Dale and he, uh, he, I was sitting down and we were, we were looking through some of his sale items and because uh, he has he has Dale started to sell uh, reclaimed clothing right so this was a thrifting Christmas for us and uh, Michelle was flipping through some of the reclaimed clothing he has and and uh, Dale looked at the boots and goes those are some pretty fine looking boots you got there Kirk and I said. Dale, let me tell you about these boots. P poor Dale, getting getting Kirk with a, a something he's excited about. <laughs> Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for one twenty nine each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for two forty nine a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.